0: Last April, New Mexico became the 13th state to establish an Office of Outdoor Recreation. And last month, their very first Outdoor Recreation Director, Axie Nevis, started her job. Uh, today on Outdoor States, this is season two, episode one. We sit down with Axie to talk about her new job as well as her old job at Outside Magazine.
1: yeah I'm at my new office um and in Santa Fe at the moment, there's been a lot of travel over the last month and a half, but this week yeah. is a little bit a little bit slower in that regard
0: that's good i mean you you, you really kind of came out of the gates on this, right right into the outdoor recreation conference
1: yeah, which was such an awesome way to get started just because it's a fantastic networking event. there were all the all the people the leaders of the outdoor rec industry were there. that was great, but yeah, that was literally I don't know like six days into the job.
0: Um, yeah, not, <laughs> probably not even. So had you been to the Outdoor Rec Conference before?
1: In New Mexico, I hadn't. Um, I had kind of covered it from afar, I'd read about it. So I, I definitely knew of it and it was um, something we talked about a lot when I was at Outside Magazine, but I hadn't been there
0: in person. And had you talked about it as a, as a national story or as a, hey, we're based in Santa Fe, we should go to this?
1: I mean, that event in particular, we we talked about it as um, a New Mexico event. We're based in Santa Fe. We want to make sure we're aware of the real energy behind the outdoor rec economy in this state. But at the same time, we're also very much aware of that national story of these summits popping up throughout the country. Um, And of course, the offices popping up um, and really gaining some national level energy behind thinking about the
0: outdoor recreation industry of this united economic powerhouse. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. If you think back, you know, just a couple of years, it was really not on anybody's radar screen. And, and maybe it's a good time to kind of ask a little bit about, you know, when was the first time that the whole idea of even an outdoor recreation director role came across your desk at outside? I mean, you guys covered it a bit, but do you remember when you first started talking about it?
1: I mean, I honestly think it was back in two thousand. 13, um, when Utah created their office, um, you know, I, I don't remember us doing a story at that time, but we started to talk about what could this story look like. And, um, because we view ourselves and are a national international publication, we were just kind of watching it develop to figure out when, at what point do we think our national audience would be really interested in this? So it kind of kept following it. Um, obviously we're super aware of the OIA numbers. Um, putting that, that number to the outdoor recreation industry. And then when the REC Act passed and we got the Bureau of Economic Analysis putting some more data behind it, I think that's, we, we had started to cover at that point in a variety of news stories. And that's when we really started to realize that there was um, a lot of cohesion behind this movement and also a lot of potential, um, especially I think just the legitimacy of the BEA numbers, you get that federal agency involved, uh, really lit a, lit a match to this movement.
0: Do you, I mean, uh, not to pull the curtain back too much, but, you know, I, I remember talking to somebody about this just recently and it just seems like people and readers specifically are kind of into this. Do you remember seeing metrics on stories regarding the outdoor recreation movement and were they performing well compared to say, a, you know, a, a new ski jacket review?
1: Oh man, the new ski jacket reviews. Our readers love gear, so that's a hard. <laughs> that's
0: maybe a not. Hard, that. Like maybe something else to win. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, in terms of like just the policy, like policy coverage, environmental coverage, politics, um, federal and state government. You know, this kind of broad swath of like public lands coverage and uh, the outdoor rec industry. Yeah, these stories I think really did resonate. Um, they tended to do like in the upper median range of how those stories performed on our site. Um, and we had enough interest that we wanted to also cover it in prints. So we did kind of a, a mini profile of Luis Benitez at one point. Um, and, and I do think our readers were really passionate about following that mostly because like they love the outdoors. That's why they gravitated to outside in the first place. And so to think about it as this like real movement with this cohesion that we're talking about, I, th- I think did resonate with folks.
0: Was there also, I mean, there was also, I recall, an outside kind of a, a, I don't want to say a political awakening, but there was definitely a, I remember reading an editor's note or something that was really basically saying, yeah, we, we can cover this and and we, we have decided that we should. Um, was that about the same time that the OREC coverage started?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that they they definitely overlapped a lot of that more and I don't even want to say like more politicization because I think we've always considered, or we outside, I now no longer obviously work for outside. (laughs) um, Them. (laughs) Them. (laughs) That magazine um, has always covered these like big national um, mainstream events through the outdoor lens. Um, And so I I want to say like we we talked about politics since the inception of the magazine. Um, But that said, I do think it started to get more fired up in tandem with the outdoor rec movement, and also with some of the changes we saw at the federal level when it came to public land policy, uh, the national monuments shrinkage was obviously a huge national conversation. And so, we wanted to make sure we were an authority in that space. Um, and so, and I would say, like, there's there's lots of similarities in that movement. A lot of outdoor industry folks, is, as you know, were very much involved in those arguments and those um, those fights. And so, outside kind of, there, there was some, um, there was like a mandate to be a true voice in the room. And so I, I do think like kind of during 2015, 2016 Passage Direct Act through 17 and 18, you saw that increase in that type of like policy
0: coverage. I mean, and it's interesting too, at some point, I mean, I, I did a little bit of internet stalking of your background. I mean, you were a journalist, right? I mean, you were uh, um, working and covering the outdoor industry really in the true you know, um, the users and the participants. And then at some point started covering policy and then at some point decided you were going to throw your hat in the ring for this job. I mean, when, h- how did that conversation go down and was it something that that you chased down or did somebody, Hey, would wh- pull you aside and, and, and mention that you might be good for this role?
1: No, I, you know, I kind of ended up chasing it down. I'd been following the, the bill, um, as it moved through the legislature and had followed
0: our uh, and that was governor's a, support of it. And that was a bill to create the office and the position.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, to create the office, also created the Outdoor Equity Fund. And so that was signed into law just this past year in April. Um, but I'd followed it kind of throughout um, the fall of 2018. And then early 2019, uh, just seeing where it was going to fall and knew that it was going to be knew this position was going to be based in the economic development department so it was just kind of like doing some journalistic digging and figuring out who <laughs> might be the right contact <laughs> and probably being like right. persistent and kind of annoying but i'm just grateful that they uh decided to interview me my uh my boss alicia keys is the cabinet secretary and then my boss boss who's the governor that they kind of they they saw they saw something, they figured that I I have the background in the outdoor industry and gave me a shot at it. So for that, I'm grateful. But I've always loved the policy. And that's kind of what sparked the thinking that this was something I might want to do.
0: It's kind of interesting, you know, I kind of would put you in the, when you look at the outdoor rec directors, kind of in the outdoor rec director 2.0. I mean, previously, it seems most of the directors, if not all of them have been from the policy world. And, you know, um, with the exception of maybe Luis, um, you know, but you're, I mean, it must've been an interesting conversation to say, well, actually, uh, you know, I've never worked in government, but I have all this, you know, relevant experience. And, you know, is that sort of how you pitched yourself?
1: Yeah, it was definitely the, that I have my feet in the outdoor industry that I've professionally worked in this space um, in the past seven and a half, eight years, and that I have a lot of contacts among this group of people. So I think that that was what really inspired them to give me a shot. And then also just like, I think I'm finding more and more even like outside of journalism that just like the ability to tell some of these stories, both um, kind of more at the like marketing level now, but be able to tell them credibly and authentically, be it to new mexican residents who want to hear more about the office or to lawmakers when it comes to actually growing our budget and growing our resources like that those types of skills are super useful um that's what i'm finding in this first like month and a half on the job
0: yeah i mean it's it's storytelling but we're all in sales (laughs) you know at some (laughs) level you know we have to sell the idea or the story or whatever it is i mean and, you know, just because you're working for the government now, I don't think really changes it too much. But, you know, what what is the big what, what what's the, the tip of the spear in New Mexico? I mean, when you look at this, I mean, I think when I talk to people about it, sometimes, you know, it's it can be really overwhelming to some people because it is a huge topic. But at the same point, there's always there's always something that's on the front line. And, you know, when you look at New Mexico, um, whether it's a huge opportunity or a huge challenge, what, what's what's the sort of the big hairy idea that's right there?
1: Yeah, I mean that big that big idea. Thirty thousand foot view is this division is um, invested in growing the outdoor recreation economy throughout the state, and so especially in rural areas um, that have been heavily dependent maybe on fossil fuel extraction. Our goal is to diversify those revenue streams and. I think that there's a number of things that just that have to happen in tandem. Um, we're within the economic development department. And so right off the bat, we know we're going to be focusing on businesses that are here in New Mexico, making sure they're aware of the uh, resources the state has to help them expand. And then also attracting new businesses here. Um, if someone is interested in expanding, we want to be able to be in the room and have that conversation with that company. Um, There's also kind of a a workforce development side of things, want to work with the universities and there's an education component to this too, obviously, but to develop internship programs um, to get students in New Mexico funneled into outdoor recreation careers, if that is something um, that they so choose and just make sure that they're aware that options like that are out there, both in like kind of traditional land management jobs, but also maybe marketing um, for an outdoor rec company or... Designing products for a company that's based in Taos. Um, any number of things, but trying to create those programs. And there's a precedent for that, obviously. In other states, um, Utah has some awesome programs in that regard. And so we're we have a number of university presidents who are kind of looking to do something like that. Um, Confluence accords and just the basic like principles of stewardship. Um, and then, of course, access conservation to these lands and waters, which are the infrastructure of this economy. There's got to be an element of protection there. And um, that's why we're working really closely with like many of the nonprofits that have been in the vanguard of this uh, these conversations for years to see if there's any work we can do on the policy side of things, just to, to make sure that these resources that are so critical to these businesses um, are protected and so that's kind of that's the big picture. The the other part, you know, the other main goal of this office, and it it was written into this law was the um outdoor equity fund. And so that's making sure access to the outdoors is equitable. And the that's a real focus on on kids, making sure those kids have opportunities to get outside um and actually learn these principles principles of stewardship or learn about climate change, um, or learn about trail maintenance, stuff like that. So It is, even as I say that, I know it is super diffuse, but I do think that there's like a few key goals we're focusing on and looking at that can move in lockstep um, and advance this whole like mission of building the economy in New Mexico, because I do think there's just a ton of potential.
0: Right, P- piece of cake, right? All piece
1: it's of just, cake. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's the just diversifying like... the economy away from <laughs> oil and gas extraction. Yeah,
0: the, <laughs> yeah, 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 and and getting you know uh, a more equitable population into the It's Easy, it's all super easy. Um, easy,
1: yeah, we'll be done by. February.
0: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you could just move on. No, it's. Right. <laughs> it, I mean, that's exactly it. You know, I. It's interesting. Do you ever? One of the interesting things is you know we sort of talked initially about how people sort of get into this from the national part of the outdoor recreation movement, you know, the protecting public lands and all these sort of big, you know, sexy, you know, charismatic ideas. And, and then you get in there and it's, it's a lot of little stuff that all has to move simultaneously. I mean, is, um, you know, do you, do you feel like, uh, what are, what are the, the parallels from your previous job in, in media and journalism that are gonna help you move all those things along the other?
1: Yeah, it is a lot of like in the trenches, like nitty gritty, figuring out what pieces you have to move, where, um, making sure that jives with what the communities actually want. And so just kind of like juggling, but, um, you know, I think the foundation of that is just like relationship building, um, talking to people, figuring out the right people to talk to. Um, and so much of that is also like what I was doing in my previous job is just like managing those relationships and, um, like leveraging the resources that we had, working with groups that maybe had been siloed in the past or were still siloed and figuring out how we could all work together. So that's kind of a, I don't know, that's maybe a softer, more like just philosophical answer, but I have found that to be useful just in terms of that like
0: kind of juggling act. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, I think I'm a, I'm a huge fan of journalists sort of Moving into other fields and other careers. I think they're always really well-suited particularly because they know that it's okay to ask questions Um, Right, you know, and I think that's always serves everybody really well Well, can you talk a little bit about the outdoor equity fund? You know, I've heard a couple people talk about it and um, Just you know, it is um, pretty unique in the way that it has It's its own thing, you know, I think other other states have have cash that they say is sort of applied in that direction, but I don't think anybody has it, you know, actually labeled as the outdoor equity fund. Can, so I mean how how big is it? Um, how much how much of a fund is it and how does it work?
1: Yeah, it it came about, I think, pretty organically with the creation of the law that we had a number of kind of state leaders fighting for it, um, representative Angelica Rubio in southern New Mexico and um, Gabe Vasquez, who's a city councilman, da- council member down there and um, has a long history in conservation. Um, so it was just like people at the very start of this conversation about creating an outdoor recreation division saying, wait a second, if we're going to do this, we're all on board, but we have to make sure that it benefits everyone. And we have to be really intentional about it. We can't just say that it will, and then not actually like maybe write that into law. So I do think that that's something I'm like proud of has happened in New Mexico. I do think that process was pretty unique. Um, and so that fund had a hundred thousand dollars appropriated into it from the lawmakers this past session. Um, I think we're going to keep fighting to grow that so far we have had interest in private donations. And right now that's kind of where the rest of the money is going to come from. But, um, so it's like at around $150,000, uh, that will be focused on kind of micro grants and project grants to get kids outside. And so kids are 18 and under and 40% of the kids who participate in the program, um, will be on a free or reduced lunch program. So there's kind of that like income element that we want to make sure that, um, folks more disadvantaged communities actually get these opportunities to go mountain bike or work on trail restoration or go rafting. Um, any number of things. So that's kind of that's the big picture mandate. That's what's going to be written into the actual grant applications, um, and we'll we'll get that kind of up and up and going um, in early twenty twenty.
0: That's great. I mean, uh, and is there um, is there other budget earmarked for the department for other initiatives? Uh, whether it's uh, helping somebody relocate to the state, I mean, you mentioned some grant programs and things like that that you want people to be aware of. But whether was there anything else that was you know new that's going to be allocated to this effort?
1: Well, I should I'll know more about that in probably like <laughs> a month and a half
0: <laughs> with this
1: legislative session. This is kind of what like we're in the midst of preparing for. Um, but right now, the the division's budget is basically like operating costs and salary. So it pays for my salary and, um, the deputy off op- the deputy director's salary, Peter Mitchell. And so it's two of us small, but mighty, um, working to get more both like operational funds, but also funds maybe for a grant program, like the one that Tom Adams spearheads in Utah. Um, I think they've done really awesome work. So I feel like that's kind of on me right now is to try and figure out where that money can come from. I, I think that the, state there's energy in this state to spend more money on such a thing. It's just a matter of making the right pitch. So that's kind of what I'm in the in the throes of right now. Um and yeah I do I do think like that would go towards um both like the the marketing of this of this um division and more like the the marketing of outdoor recreation in the state as a whole um but also maybe towards like infrastructure. And by infrastructure I mean like creating the shooting range, um, building trails, river restoration that increases access for anglers, but also rafters, Um, you know, just kind of that broad swath of what we think of when we think of kind of critical outdoor recreation components. Yeah, Um, But, sorry, well, go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna say everybody, everybody likes free money for their district.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) And so there, there are opportunities for sure
1: yeah there are I think like some of it's the storytelling, and then i I would add though too, like we're in the economic development department, and so that department has a lot of resources to help companies so that part of our mission um we actually do have a number of tools that we can use, and it's just a matter of like educating business owners that they're available um, and setting up some of these meetings. And some of that looks like an actual money to invest in infrastructure and then job training programs that help pay for um a portion of payroll for a certain amount of time um, and then also like site visits and stuff like that there are there are
0: definitely funds to make that happen this is kind of an off question I mean it's it's and definitely kind of an outdoor industry question but are are you ready for the change of dress code from outside magazine to the legislature I mean <laughs> what, what, <laughs>
1: definitely what <are>
0: you, not <laughs> what are you gonna wear
1: yeah I don't know <laughs> I have like one outfit right now so if I see the governor more than one day in a row I have to be like ordering stuff from like rental runway or something. I like don't know how to do it. I feel like the outdoor industry has trained me to wear like Patagonia
0: every day. I I know. Well, there was the classic, there was a great conservation Alliance meeting where they showed, you know, former executive director, John Sterling at all these lobbying events over the past 20 years. And he's wearing the same suit at every single one. (laughs) (laughs) Cause he, he only has one suit and he wears everything, you know, Yeah,
1: you just kind of got to (laughs) own it.
0: So, um, how How was the outdoor recreation economy conference i mean how many how many people were there, and that was like you said, you were six days into it, you know, kind of hitting the ground running um I'm sure you gave out a billion business cards but what was your what was your take now that you're on the inside of this
1: I mean, I thought it was awesome i I don't want to mess up the entire attendance numbers, but it was about like let' gonna say four hundred and fifty people, so wow, that's great. pretty well attended uh in the awesome city of silver city um in southern New Mexico. And it was great. Like the what I was so struck by was how much energy the participants had to learn more about this initiative, how excited they were that the governor decided to do this and to focus on outdoor rec. Um, because I just I think there are a lot of people who are hungry to capitalize on this economy. They see the potential, maybe they already are, but they still see room for growth. And so that like that hunger and that fire was really inspiring. And I think kind of Like I witnessed that throughout the like every day
0: of the actual conference. That's pretty great. I mean, um, and, and you said you had, you had not been to other recreation conferences around the country or, or had you been to some before?
1: Not in the same vein as that one. I've been to, like I've obviously been to like the trade shows, but it was more like the trade shows. I've been to like a couple smaller events in, um, Utah and Colorado, but, a, a while back. And I hadn't been to the one, uh, the conference in New Mexico that predated this one that was in Las Cruces
0: the year before. Right. I mean, it was a, a pretty remarkable list of speakers. I mean, that, that event has, you know, it's funny, October has kind of become Outdoor Recreation Economy Conference Month Yeah. Uh, around, the, around the country. And there are certainly some people who are hitting a lot of them. Um, I, I think one of the things that... I don't know, I was able to go to a couple of them. And do you sometimes notice that there's, um, I, don't know, I always want to be polite about it. I guess it's a challenge in in conveying to people that this isn't just a tourism initiative.
1: Yeah, I do think that, like that comes up a lot. I do get the sense that that's starting to change that thinking. And in part, I, I, I attribute some of that to the Bureau of Economic Analysis numbers that people understand that it's, bigger than this. And tourism is a huge part of it, sure, but there's also just a quality of life component. There's a construction component. There's a real estate component. Um, and that if we think about the economy holistically, then tourism is a slice of that pie, but it's not the only part. The goal of the office is, is not just to promote these places to um, out-of-state visitors.
0: Right, exactly. And, and you know, and I think there is, you know, the tourism part is, it's both the, it's both the a, a large income coming in, but it's also the large impact that gets people concerned. Um, and it, it's, it's definitely, I don't know, I, I sense that a lot of times, and I always try to convey to people that this isn't solely a tourism thing. And in fact, most of the time, I think it's not a tourism thing at all and totally. uh, you know, totally. particularly in economic development. I mean, you, I mean, I would imagine New Mexico has a tourism department, right?
1: Yeah. I was just going to say, we have, we have an awesome tourism department. They are, right. um, it's a big department, they're well-funded and they have their own mandates. I work closely with that group, but this division is within the economic development department for a reason. Um, and that is just to echo what you said, um, to show that the tourism and that promotion isn't the top priority. Um, we have a department that whose priority it is. They do a great job, but we think there's a lot of potential with the actual like business development side of things, um, and the workforce, the education side of things, and then the
0: the conservation side too. I mean, it's great. So in terms of in terms of how New Mexico is is laid out, um, population wise, is it just is it a is this um, like you mentioned earlier that this is really a rural there, there's a lot of rural opportunities there. Um, is is that, I guess, how, how have you guys talked about economic development in those rural areas and what is, how do you even get that conversation started? I mean, some rural areas have virtually nothing except they have the land or maybe the water. Um, I mean, how, how do you, how do you convince a business to start or move in one of those rural areas?
1: I think, I think it's really hard. Um, you know, like right now I've been focusing on starting those conversations. So a lot of the driving that I've done has been to the, um, rural parts of New Mexico and New Mexico's a big state, the biggest state by land mass in the country. Um, but you know, just over 2 million people, most of whom are based along the Rio Grande corridor in our kind of three big cities, Las Cruces, Albuquerque, Santa Fe. Um, So we have a number of communities that are spread throughout the state with a ton of potential for outdoor rec. And some of them are closer than others. I think about places like Farmington, which is um, close to Durango, close to just south of the Colorado border, um, kind of the the Four Corners region. And they have, as a municipality, and as a county, um, have really come together to prioritize outdoor rec. So they, they have a leg up. They have a marketing campaign, a brand built around this. Um... Aztec, which is the town, the neighboring town, has a really awesome outdoor rec company there already. Jack's Plastic, maker of the Paco Pad. Um, they have a really great bike shop. So there's a lot of energy around this. And that, to me, is an easier yourself they want companies to come here, there's a lot of infrastructure already in place. If they want the companies that are there to expand, that's part of our goal, is to sit down and talk with those companies and say, what are your, what are your expansion plans? What are your investment plans? How can we at the state help you do that? Um, I think we have a similar story in a place like Taos. There's a lot of energy in the outdoor rec sector there already. Um, and then you go to a town like Roy, which is, um, on the opposite side of the state, but again, fairly close to the the border with Colorado. Um, fantastic bouldering, like some of the best bouldering in the country, but they don't have a lot of infrastructure there to support that. The community is starting to become more interested in saying, how can we attract people to come down here? Um, you know, so like we tossed ideas like a bouldering event maybe and um, stuff like that to start just getting Roy on the radar of maybe some of these these climbing companies or or visitors um, from, from Colorado and the surrounding area. So I don't know, that's kind of a long-winded way to answer your question of like, I think it looks a little different in each place that you go, depending on what the people in those communities are interested in developing and that narrative and the strengths of each town they are different and they are unique. Um, and so it's our job then to say like the state has resources to help, but also maybe the federal partners have resources or we know of someone else in um, Albuquerque who's looking to expand, like, let's start this conversation to, to see if we can all kind of like work together and pool those resources.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, there's kind of this ongoing tension between, do you, do you apply assistance to a place that's already like seven eighths of the way there? Or do you apply it to someplace that hasn't even started, you know? And, and, you know, one of those ones, like they just need like a little push to, you know, to really, you know, add a connector of two major trail networks Or the other place, it's going to be a big lift, but it could potentially, you know, start a huge ripple effect. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of decisions that have to get made in that whole thing. I mean, when you, when you, it's, it's really interesting when you're looking at this job now, I mean, how, how. How different is it now that you're actually at the desk than, you know, maybe a year ago when you were just thinking about it?
1: I love how like concrete some of our goals are like sitting in the desk. I'm like, oh, like we can do this and this and this. And I think that will move the needle forward. Um, and that's something like those specifics of the job. I just really had no conception of, um, I think it's as much of a like juggling act as I may be expected. And like, I love also being a champion for outdoor recreation in New Mexico. Like that's such an honor and like learning from all these people who've been thinking about this for decades that uh, like that all jives with what I had expected, but just like to be able to pin it down to each specific step and say, this is what we're going to focus on next. And then this, and um, that's been like really illuminating and, and useful
0: is it, um, I mean, it may be too early to tell, but is this a, would you describe outdoor recreation in New Mexico as, as a political topic or is it an apolitical topic? I mean, are, are people sort of, is this nonpartisan, partisan partisan, bipartisan? I mean, how, where is it on the, that scope?
1: I think it's like largely bipartisan. There is a lot of support. Um, both of the vision and then also this like the goal of thinking about outdoor recreation economy and diversifying the economy. Um, that said, there's definitely people, again, probably like on, on both sides of the aisle, some like bipartisan skepticism. Um, I, I think that that is in the minority, but I also think there's there's still folks who, who think we shouldn't be investing in this or that like we kind of already have it taken care of amongst some of our other state right. agencies or private sector partners and that like there's no need to think about it but is um, that is that one point person
0: is that skepticism of outdoor recreation or is that just skepticism of a new budget for anything
1: Mm, I think you know I think like both and it's hard to totally pin that apart but like I think like skeptical that we would be spending new budget on something that like it exists and is healthy now you know like this is a growing we have the tourism department we have um, the state parks division we have energy minerals natural resources like all these groups kind of focus on it it's diffuse and spread out we don't need to spend more money on it specifically yeah
0: um, so one of the one of the places that other states seem to be tapping into resources are these regional partnerships you know the like the Appalachian Regional Commission, and actually, there's a Northern Border Commission that's in the northern states in New England, and they they seem to be these opportunities to find bigger pools of money as well as as, as execute some sort of big big opportunities. How, you know, you you mentioned you know being close to Colorado and other states, but what, what about the Mexican border? I mean, are there is is that a I don't know, I mean, how does that play into this whole concept of outdoor recreation? I, I remember talking to somebody from New Mexico about a, you know, uh, I forget, what it, was, it was a coalition that was talking about how the a border wall would impact the rivers as well as a bunch of other natural lands. I'm just curious, is that is that part of the conversation or, or I don't know, Where how, how does that all fit in?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's definitely part of the conversation. Both um, when you think about The potential for tourism from a place like Juarez. Um, When you're looking at Juarez and El Paso and Las Cruces, that's suddenly a pretty massive metropolitan region. And so, thinking about how we build outdoor recreation for the people who live in that area, and then also trying to bring tourists from Mexico and Texas to these places like that's definitely a conversation. Thinking about how we can work with Mexico um, on trade and manufacturing. Um, if we're trying to get maybe an outdoor retailer, um, an outdoor manufacturer in Las Cruces, is there a way that we can partner with Juarez or another city in Mexico to actually maybe split up the manufacturing? Um, cause one thing that New Mexico, we struggle with, and again, in some of these rural areas is just that workforce development. So how can we piggyback off some of these larger metropolitan areas? So that's definitely a conversation. Um, yeah and there has been a like the the border wall would would go like right past one of the most biologically diverse places in the country, the boot heel of New mexico, and so there has been a lot of um, pushback among that community to say like we need to be talking about this and what impact such a wall would have on these places that we love, these natural
0: places that we love yeah it 's a huge topic <laughs> it 's hard for me to even wrap my head around it, you know I mean I can imagine. I mean, you have so many concerns on that border situation. Is is there, um, are there, is there a regional commission or anything like that with the, on the on the U.S. side? I mean, working with the other American states to, to look at cross-border partnerships and and grow uh, regional. I'm sorry, rural uh, redevelopment in the area.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm sure, like I have not worked with such a coalition personally. There isn't focusing specifically on outdoor rec. We do have a number that are focused just on like broad economic development. And like I would love to figure out a way to like insert my division in that work more generally. Um, but so far, like from kind of where like my chair it has been done um like a little bit more ad hoc talking to um conservation and nonprofit groups and in Las Cruces and then also um like through the economic development department about like manufacturing in that area. But that that those particular conversations are very like specific to like New Mexico. Um and then working with contacts that we already have in in Mexico and Texas.
0: But you know, you mentioned um earlier that you have some really crisp goals and and you know from the people that you're working with at the state how how are those goals being created and or or how were they created?
1: Well, they're all like based off statute. So there's a few kind of big picture goals that were laid out in the law. And so I want to make sure that whatever, like, I don't know, like key performance indicators that we build off of, any of those that we decide to prioritize, they're building off the foundation that's in statute. Um, You know, and so in general, we've been tasked with um, prioritizing outdoor recreation related economic development. So that's the big picture goal. Um, promoting these places, promoting ecotourism, uh, developing education opportunities for students, um, and just making sure that we're also thinking about and prioritizing these principles of conservation. So from there, we have to develop like actual measurable things and like takeaways. And so how those goals that I think about now came to be is really just taking statute and then saying, what's the next step? How do we move that big picture?" Um, Kind of pie-in-the-sky goal
0: forward When you when you I mean you've covered a lot of this around the country and you've covered other states and you've covered policy What other states I mean um, if you look at the Specifically about the outdoor recreation departments, you know What would be the, the one state that you feel like wow they they're they're just a little bit farther ahead than everybody else
1: Oh, man. I mean, a lot. And I think like it's it's, everyone's like taking a slightly different approach. So I wouldn't want to even like pick favorites. Um, I do like very top of mind. I think like Washington State's work, um, John Snyder's work there as a like policy specialist and the type of policy he's been able to push through and the the funding associated with such policies, uh, no kid left inside and the outdoor certified preschools. These are really innovative very cool ideas and his, his office, it's like, is not, it's like him as a policy advisor to the governor is structured pretty differently, I think, than all the other ones. And I just, I both, I find a lot of inspiration there and I think it's pretty impressive and interesting what, um, he and Washington have been able to accomplish. Um, Utah is a model for sure too. Obviously the, um, Tom Adams and that office are also in the economic development, um, department within the governor's office. And so the funny the, the funds that they've been able to shuffle to these grant programs that they have for restoration and then outdoor rec infrastructure, that's super inspiring too. And I can see that being the model um, we base this division off of um, and use it as a, a kind of a catalyst to get more funding for, for the New Mexico office.
0: Did you know that John Snyder has a, a film uh, in the Rock and Roll Museum in Seattle?
1: No, but it like somehow doesn't surprise me at all. I love that.
0: Yeah, of nirvana, like back in the day, it's in the nirvana wing. It's very- Yes, I know. I love that. It's it's surreal. Um, And then what about you though? I mean, in terms of looking at this now, I mean, do you even, do you know what your long-term goals are in this office yet? Are you still still working on those?
1: I mean, like right now, I think I'm focused on some of these like um, very- the kind of specific actionable ones. Like for example, we have um, a new inc- uh, grant program to start an outdoor recreation incubator in the state. Um, and so that's grants of up to $50,000 to an incubator or likely two incubators that are focused on developing outdoor recreation companies and helping entrepreneurs who have an idea for a new outfitting company or a new retail business or a new product manufacturing company get the skills they need to get that started. Um, so I'm focusing on wrangling those applications and then actually awarding the money and then working with the, the winners of the, of the award to, um, get those programs up and running. So like that to me is part of this like core economic development side of things of getting that off the ground. Um, like working with, we have lots of acronyms, state government I'm learning, but like LIDA and JTIP, which are these two big pools of economic development money intended to invest in New Mexico businesses. So trying to get a percentage of those pots of money to our direct division specifically, and maybe change how we think about that so we can broaden the scope of companies that we're working with, maybe more on the retail side of things or service side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, so like these two examples of like specific performance indicators that i think like move the general goals forward because the general goals are just like you know i want to i want to have um i want to build more jobs and more wealth in this state that are built on the outdoor recreation world but i can't accomplish anything unless i break it down more specifically than that right to say like i want to have 500 jobs by next year of outdoor like new jobs in the outdoor recreation world that's would be awesome. I have no conception of where that data comes from, you know? So right. like, I think it's too soon for me to put that like number of like, this is the, this is what I want to achieve. Or, like this is the desi- the acres of protected land that I want to have. Um, so much of that's got to come from like New Mexico, but in the, in the first phase, it's just breaking it down into those, like, yeah, those, like those things that I can accomplish by January and actually hopefully like help,
0: Help lift up the division as a whole. Yeah, when it comes to adding jobs and preserving land, we'll, we'll just start with one at a time, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one at a time. We'll start with yeah. one, and then we'll move on to the next one. You know, because it's quality, not just quantity. You know,
1: a hundred percent.
0: And and you get the right job or the right acre protected, that can make a huge difference for sure. Um, when you're talking about the funding at the state level, you know, and those funding pools that are available for economic development. Where where is the source of those of those monies? Is that from extracted industries or, or from something else?
1: I mean many of them are just um like a, a general fund appropriation. The state definitely much of the revenue coming into state coffers is from oil and gas extraction right now, especially with what's happening in the Permian Basin. There's a lot of economic energy there. So the state is kind of is flush right now, honestly, in cash. And so um, but that would all go to the general fund. It would just be like an appro- appropriations from that pool of money to both the department, um, or in this case, the outdoor rec division. Um, I think there are other ways we can fund maybe a, a future grant program. Um, I know Utah does it through lodgers tax. We don't have quite the same setup, but, um, I think about ways to creatively use the grt money that's generated from sales of outdoor gear maybe not adding a tax but just slipping it over into outdoor rec and using that to fund an outdoor rec infrastructure um pot of money that's something similar it happened in georgia and so like i've been looking at kind of these variety of ways to fund it creatively but i'm also like we could just get the appropriations like a budget item from lawmakers so i think there's like any number of ways to do it and that's kind of what i'm fleshing out now is to see what the best pitch is to
0: make what about on the what about on the data front i mean this new mech i mean obviously you've seen the you know the federal data and and um and probably that recent breakout um from the headwaters group that was pretty awesome Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, is there additional data in New Mexico that, that, or even anecdotes that, that, that you guys are using to, uh, to drive things?
1: Yeah, that's actually another project that I'm working on to try and finish by like early January is to create, um, almost our own New Mexico specific version of the Headwaters economics report. Um, yeah. like using BEA data, using some data that, um, Headwaters has like at the county level, they've done work in Taos County. Um, and so have some like background there. Um, our fish and game department has data to, um, that, you know, like, like a whole broad swath of it, but like one of the salient points that has come out of that research is New Mexico is one of two States where, um, the sale of hunting and fishing licenses is actually on the rise. I think we have a lot of States that are really concerned by decreasing yeah. numbers there. New Mexico is actually growing. Um, so that's something I'd love to like sing from the rooftops and just like, again, goes back to that kind of storytelling element. Um, yeah. So fish and game has, has information like that, that we can use economic development. We have models that we kind of dive into some makes codes, at the county level to figure out it. it figure out the contribution of outdoor rec to counties. It can get a little thorny depending on how like deep you go into the makes codes, but that's something we're figuring out now. And then, of course, like tourism has great data too the percentage of visitors who are participating in outdoor rec and just the amount of tourism dollars that are circulating in the New Mexico economy. Um, but there are all, all that data, like I just named three state agencies and then, like, obviously, BEA and Headwaters. So, like, kind of bringing it together in this cohesive story for New Mexico, um, I think can help us just like have these conversations with both residents, but also lawmakers, and to say, like, this is the picture. In New Mexico, you've seen the Bureau of Economic Analysis numbers, but this is what we're talking about in this state.
0: I mean, it's hugely important having those numbers to back everything up. There's no doubt about it. Um, well, actually, thanks a ton. I really appreciate it. It's great. To, yeah, thank, thank you, Drew. Great to catch up. I hope, uh, you know, I hope it all goes well. It's a, it's a, it's a great jump and, and I'm, you know, I think people are excited about you in that role and, and um, I think it's awesome. So good luck with everything.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I'll take I'll take those kind words, and I'm excited about it. Um, And we'll see. Yeah, we should talk again in a year, and I'll have more specifics (laughs) and maybe an entirely new mindset. But uh,